it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. I see two of them. But not the one who killed Alex. He's there. Hold on to that for me, will you? What? Listen to me very carefully, John, because I'm not going to have time to repeat this. You're going to go into that greenhouse through that hole there. Once inside, you're going to turn left. Go about 20 paces until you see a patch of anthuriums on your left. They're in an alcove against the north wall. Face that wall, reach down with your left hand. You'll find a switch that activates the elevator. The elevator takes you down to the actual orchid station. Whoa, wait, what? Okay. I'm sorry, Ben, but maybe I missed the part where you explain what I'm supposed to do about the armed men inside. I'm going to take care of them. And how the hell are you going to do that? How many times do I have to tell you, John? I always have a plan. Welcome to another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, as we continue onward on our journey into the fourth season of the series. I am Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week, we move forward with our discussion of the first part of the three-part season four finale, episode 12, There's No Place Like Home, part one. Three-part finale, although we're covering, <clears throat> excuse me, parts one and or two and three together. Okay, the way that you, when you almost said one and two, I was like, I'm not prepared for two. That's why I was like, I had to rephrase myself. I rephrased it. I'm like, no, it's not one and two because I only watched part one. So. I literally uh, watched it like I finished, I I don't know, 30 minutes ago. (laughs) I I ended up watching it twice. I usually watch it. Like I I usually watch it. I usually watch every episode at least twice. And I usually try and give it a day before I do the second watch. Uh, I watched it twice yesterday. I really wanted to watch it again, to to be honest, as soon as it was over. But I felt that I got enough. I might watch it again and then and like watch all three episodes together for the finale. I I might do that, too. Um, My main reason behind that is because I watched this the first time and I forgot how fucking good this finale is. Yeah, it's a really good finale. I had the same thought like, yeah, about I, I think it was in the opening scene. I, I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be good. Yep. And I, I think, too, this is one of the higher highest rated finales of the series. I think the season four finale is one of the highest rate, highest rated episodes of the because uh, on I know on IMDb, it's at a nine. Uh, part one is at a nine. Part two is at like a 9.4. Mm-hmm. And part three is at like a 9.2. So, I mean, these are high rated episodes, which is which proves it's a strong finale. Probably the last high rated rep- episodes <laughs> of the series. Well, so <laughs> interesting. Not, not by me, but no, know. not by me at all. So interesting tidbit. I was watching um, I was watching this video on YouTube and they were trying they were playing a game as to guess whether or not the 
the season finale of a show was rated rotten or fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And they showed finales like Breaking Bad, Dexter, Lost, Game of Thrones. Um, oh my gosh, I want to see this so bad. I'll or send you the link. To it or whatever it is. I'll, I'll send you the link to it so you can watch it. And they had, okay. to, like, they, they had to try and guess the percentage that it was rated. And every single person that played guessed the Lost finale as rotten. And it wasn't the get no, the lost it finale. Good. It was a good finale. Like the series finale was good. You were right on about Game of Thrones. Like they they rated that rotten, and it was certified rotten. Um, and I think Breaking Bad was like certified one hundred percent fresh. <laughs> that series finale. Don't. That's a good show. <laughs> but like it sh- it shocked me. Like all these people are guessing like lost certified rotten. I'm like. No, I'm like, what do you Dexter was certified about? rotten, right? Oh, Dexter was certified rotten. Like I'd be was... interested to know if Dexter or Game of Thrones had the lower which one had the lower percentage. I'm pretty sure it was Dexter. Really? Yeah. Da- well, Dave and I were talking about this yesterday, and I told him, I said, honest to God, Dave. And and for those of you who may not know this, I used to have a Game of Thrones podcast. And so I was very, 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 very well-versed and into Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I would rather watch the Dexter finale. I'd rather watch the entire Dexter final season than one more episode of Game of Thrones <laughs> in any season. So I'm looking, I'm looking for, it doesn't give me episode, oh, episode list. There we go. So uh, episodes. I get mad if I just see a picture of of Game of Thrones. Still, still, it's been two years. I still get angry. I know you do because you still bring it up on here every once in a while. Well, um, which I'm good fine thing with. you don't live with me because we I, talk I about hear, it every day. I hear no end of it. So <laughs> the Game of Thrones finale, season eight, episode six, was at forty eight percent on the. That's tomato too meat. high. That is too high. Uh, Dexter. Let's see, which also ran for eight seasons. Oh, no, Dexter. Oh, yeah, Dexter ran for eight seasons with the ninth coming soon. Um, The season itself was rated at 33%. uh, And Goodbye Miami was, oh, yeah, 33%. So Dexter was lower rated. So... I know you disagree. Like I, I vehemently disagree. <laughs> I, I arguably think, and and you know, I just I hate I how I how you feel about the Game of Thrones finale is really how I feel about the Dexter finale. I Look, was so let down by yeah. that finale. Yeah, no, listen, it, season. Yeah, it was. They should have ended it at the end of the Barrel Girls season. That was the last of it. That was anything after the end of the Barrel Girls season. And it ended so nicely at the end of the Barrel Girls season. It just should have stayed that way. Just stayed that way. And everything after doesn't matter anymore. Like, that's the way that I choose to believe it. Unfortunately, with Game of Thrones, and and see, this is where I I differ with, with Dexter and Game of Thrones. With Game of Thrones, the whole thing is working towards this epic finale on two fronts. One is, you know, the return of King's Landing to, you know, something different. And the other one was the um, the 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 war with the Night King. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great War, the big, the big war. I, I, I don't even. I haven't even retained it anymore in my brain. That's how mad I am. Um, and it failed so hard that you can't even watch something like Hard Home or Battle of the Bastards or any of the really amazing episodes and think, ooh, I can't wait to see how this pans out eventually because you know it's not going to. So so you're in. Welcome to the Lost Podcast, where we talk about every show but Lost. Um, we'll get to Lost in we just a second. Everybody, you knows, guys, just, everybody just, knows we banter at first. It's fine. Just keep hitting 15 <laughs> seconds forward or whatever it is. OK, it'll be fine. So how you <laughs> feel about Game of Thrones and how the finale ruined a majority of the series is really how I feel about how I met your mother. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> because after seeing the series finale of how I met your mother and the ending that they gave us, like realizing spoiler alert that the mom dies and he ends up with Robin all along. Like what was the point of the other, the rest of the show? And, and they just have her like in a bed, like he's reading a book and she's just laying in bed. Oh, your mom got sick and then she died. Well, are we? Oh, oh that's all the time we're going to spend on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Great, and you great, great, and great, you great. spent a whole season, a whole season setting up Barney and Robin's wedding only for the at the end of that season. Oh, we got divorced. Ben, what? we we've set up several seasons following a stupid yellow umbrella. I know. I know. I, I mean, I, it, I, I just I can't I can't I can't I can't I can't. <laughs> <laughs> There's no end to that sentence. <laughs> Sorry, I was drinking coffee. I can't, I can't, I can't. And you ever see Clue? Almost... Do you ever see oh, Clue? Yeah. Flames? <laughs> Flames? On the side of my face. <laughs> On the side of my face. Flames? <laughs> God. I almost spit coffee on my microphone, which would not have been good. Um. So apparently, so I know we talked about by the way, I have my I know this is going to work out real well for podcast listeners. Um, I have my fun co-pop of how I feel Game of Thrones should have ended. Oh, you know what? That no, it, it's Tyrion on the on the Iron Throne. First of all, yeah, the only thing good about that, the only thing good about that season finale or series finale is that Drogon torched, torched that stupid chair. The throne. <laughs> anyway, OK. Let's talk about Lost. Well, real quick. So, and this actually pertains <laughs> to this podcast. Okay, 15 seconds forward, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> this, this actually pertains. I'm going to wait 15 seconds. so they Keep can hitting that, that button. Um, I know we've talked about the, the strong possibility that we're, we're going to be covering Once Upon a Time when we're done with Lost. Because after we cover this finale, we have two seasons left. And they're shorter seasons. So, um, Dave thinks we should do Peaky Blinders, by the way. No, I don't want to do Peaky Blinders. Um, I have heard recommendations of another series Is that it Peaky we Blinders? could cover. No, it's not Peaky Blinders. Is it Justified? Um, no, but I really got to jump into that show. You really do. Dumb. Ah, you're going to be sick the rest of the week. 
this is the time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I probably could jump into like Justified or Deadwood tomorrow. How about if I stop interrupting you and you give the announcement? <laughs> um, well, it's not an announcement. It's just a well, whatever it is that you're going to say. And I would be very curious to see what some of the listeners think, because I know, you know, for anybody that's going to continue listening to us, hopefully after we're done with Lost, um, Once Upon a Time is, I think, on the leaderboard of shows we're going to cover next. It is number one on the list. Um, but Fringe was another one. Never that saw Puzzle it. came up, which could be fun. Um, <laughs> it's another J.J. Abrams show um, with Joshua Jackson. And oh, I know. Yeah, I've, I've but it's isn't it horror? No, it's sci fi. It's kind of like another X-Files. That's another show I've never watched. I, I'm with you. I've seen a handful of episodes, but I never watched the X-Files all the way through. Holy crap. Could you imagine covering that? That would take us years. Well, it's taken us like three years to get through Lost. So, well, we finally have a set date of recording now. We were in like a state of flux these past couple of seasons. I don't know now, if anybody has noticed, but we've had a uh, worldwide pandemic for the past year, yeah. and it's it's thrown us into a little bit of mix. Let's be real, we were we were missing weeks before the pandemic even happened. No, no, it's it got just worse. the pandemic. <laughs> Our pandemic started a year before the pandemic started. Did it hit our houses hard? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about this finale. uh, This this first part of the finale. Yeah, Um, let's do that because this is man. Just for being part one, there is a lot of setup for parts two and three. There is. But before we talk about it, let's just tell people if you haven't listened to us before, first of all, you Thank should you. go back to the beginning. But we are a spoiler full podcast. So we can talk about anything that happens on the show at the end, at the beginning, at the sideways, at the upside down, at the right side up. Uh, so if you haven't upside watched the down. show all the way through, yes, we're going to talk about Stranger Things too. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't if surprise you me. I know. <laughs> if you ha- let me get through this. Sorry. <laughs> if you haven't seen the show all the way through, then just be prepared that you might get spoiled. Okay, now I'm done. Now you okay. can mess around again. No, no, no. It's it's fine. <laughs> um. So ordinarily, I I usually throw it to you on where do we want to start, but I really I really think out of everything that happens in this episode, we got to start at the beginning. And that oh, and that opening scene. I mean, it literally sets up everything that we're going to get in this entire episode. I mean, mm-hmm. I think after we talk about that opening scene, we can jump around as much as we want. But I think that opening scene has to be the first thing we talk about. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, after that opening scene, I did one of my first notes that I made was that and this goes for pretty much the whole episode as a whole but the but the first scene really sets it sets up that tone there was a definite sadness throughout the entire episode yeah and i don't know like we were talking about the weather before <laughs> we were making small chat about the weather we were talking about <laughs> the weather before we started recording and it's been really gloomy here for the past 5 days um i live on the coast of north carolina um and I don't know if it's the weather or or what, but I just felt sad, <laughs> like the whole episode. But the first scene really set up this overall sadness. 
Well, yeah, because there's kind of like a sadness and a macabre in that opening sequence with them sitting in the cargo hold of that plane, because you can tell, um, you know, they're and it's a line that we get at one point, too. Uh, you know, from Jack and Son in an interaction with Jack and Son, like if anybody has anything, you know, that we can answer, just tell them we're in shock. And Son with the like, we are in shock. Like you can look at them and tell she's not lying. Like that representative from Oceanic is talking to them and Jack's the only one answering. And it's not like he's interrupting them, the the other five or the other four rather, because Aaron can't speak yet. Uh, like It's just they have nothing to say. Yeah, you know, this is where Jack is really strong. <clears throat> Jack is, um, excuse me, Jack is is somebody who has been through a lot of devastation because of his career, which is why he did so well at the beginning of the crash. Um, and you can see that he's taking on that leadership again. Something clearly happened. I mean, we know at this point what it was, but for the first first time viewer, if you're looking at this episode face value, you could tell. Son isn't with Jin. Mm-hmm. Where's Sawyer? Sawyer's not there. Claire. Sawyer, yeah, Sawyer's not there. Yeah. Claire, yeah. Claire's not with Aaron. I mean, something went down significantly. Yeah. I mean, and it's 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 an interesting scenario to think about, too, because like you said, at face value, at this point in time, we already know who the Oceanic Six are. So we know mm-hmm. these six people got off the island, but we don't really think about, okay, what happened to everybody else? This is the first time where you see them all together on that cargo plane. It's like almost a day or two after they got off the island because they had just been rescued. And when you see the looks on their faces and realize, like you said, some shit went down, this is the first time you really start to question, okay, seriously, what happened to everybody else? Yeah, and, you know, when... it. it on the same token, when you look at the end of the episode, you take the first and the last scenes kind of together. At the end, you're also left wondering how on earth these six ended up on the helicopter. Because, because they're all in different places. They're literally in different places. Like yeah. Sun is on a boat with Aaron of all. Like it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So it, it's it's an interesting dynamic. The beginning and end of this episode is written beautifully. Yeah. Sun, Sun is on the boat with Aaron and Jin, who we know Jin is not on the plane. Uh, Sawyer and Jack are together. And well, we know and Sawyer's Desmond and plane. Michael. <laughs> Desmond and Michael. Yeah. We know that Jack and Sawyer are together and we know Sawyer's not on the plane. Right. Um, Kate is with um uh oh who is Kate with? Oh, Kate was with um with Desmond. No. No, Saeed, Saeed. Kate Sorry. Kate and Saeed were together with with Richard with the immortal Albert. Richard Albert. <laughs> um and and a whole lot of other dirty people. Hurley is with Locke and Ben and Kimi's men. And so, none yeah, of that like, looks good. So yeah, all of these people are in completely different places, but mm-hmm. yet they all end up on this plane together. It, like at the beginning of the episode and off the island. That's what I mean. Like this part one could have been an episode in itself. Yep. Like this is the season finale before the season finale. Like it's, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this could have been the season finale and then goodbye. See you next season. I would be like, what? 
Well, see, and I, I read into this too, like, cause I, I like checking into this a little bit when we dive deeper into things. Um, I remember this episode pissing me off as a first time viewer because we had to wait two weeks mm. before the two part finale. It wasn't the following week. We had to wait two weeks. And then after that finale, after parts two and three aired, we had to wait nine months to get season five. See, Lost was just preparing us for the normal waiting period now between I seasons. I mean, you get and you only get like 10 episodes for the average good season of television now before you have to wait a year. The Netflix. Well, it's not really the Netflix model. It's actually the BBC model. We have waited. I want to say we've waited for Handmaid's Tale for two years. Well, I think Sopranos, we waited like two years in between seasons at times. Yeah. And I mean, show like that Game of Thrones, we waited like a year and a half at one point. And it still wasn't worth it. <laughs> All right. Let's not tear open that bandaid again. You said um, it, not me. I know. But I want to, <laughs> you know, going back to that opening scene, like we we get that the talk with the representative, like, you know, no, we'll talk to the reporters. Jack kind of telling everybody, OK, this is how it's going to go down. Remember the story. But I want to say at least when the plane lands and they're reunited with their family, there's at least a little bit of happiness thrown into that scene. It's still very kind of sad and macabre because we see Kate walk off the plane with Aaron and just kind of walk off because there's no one there to welcome her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Saeed doesn't have anybody welcoming welcoming him off the plane. But we get that little moment with Hurley, like grabbing Saeed, like, come here, I want you to meet my buddy. Like, you know, which brings a smile to your face not to mention the fact the reuniting of hurley with his mom and dad like was really heartwarming and because oh you mean his gold digging parents sorry i just his parents i agree me i think it's more his father than his mother Uh, his mother threw him the weird party god can i tell you how much i laughed at that scene when saeed's like interesting choice of theme and he's like ma just doesn't get it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so but it also made me laugh too like when he's holding and i know we're kind of jumping around at this point but that's all right um when he's holding the golden jesus statue and his mom's like jesus is not a weapon fast forward to 2020 um oh god <laughs> um sorry but uh yeah i uh there the I loved my favorite part of the reuniting off the plane was that son goes directly to her mom and uh, Mr. Pike just looked real uncomfortable. Yeah. Like he's just like, I'm happy to see you, but I don't know how to hug. Like he's just, I don't know if you saw, but like his hands are kind of in the air. Like he's not really touching anybody. Well, when you look at that culture too, it's almost like uh, he doesn't know how to react. I mean, he's, you know, he's out of his element in this. Uh, but I want to say, and, and I'm, I know it's in your notes and I'm sure we'll get to it. Holy shit. The stuff with son in this episode, she is a sort of like, we already knew it. This is one of the most badass moments of son ever in this entire yeah. series. Yep. You want yeah, to just dive into it now? Yes. She's empowered. Yeah. I mean, she's just, you know, her, her marriage to Jin was solidified on that island. She found her voice without um, without Jin. 
you know, she was able to be her own person because she knew English and Jin didn't. Mm -hmm. She was separated from Jin. Then she got back together with Jin. She was attacked on the island. She got over that. She got pregnant on the island. She got off of the island. You know, she um, she's been through an incredible journey so far. And in doing so, she became, you know, with all of her education and all of her no um all of her knowledge about her father's business, plus the kind of personal journey she went on uh, in the island. And then she gets this sum of money that has nothing to do with her father and everything to do with this plane crash that she went through. And she's ready, man. She's got all the tools she needs to take her father and put him in his place, which he was so overdue for. Yeah. Yeah, that was a it was a long time coming for Mr. Paik. And it's um, it's it was one of those moments that like when she. And and I, you know what? The, the only disappointing thing about that scene is the fact that I can't use it as the opening clip in this because it's, it's all, in Korean. all in Korean. <laughs> so nobody can hear it. But when like when you're when you're listening to that scene and you're reading along and you're following it along <clears throat> and she says, well, I use that some to buy controlling interest in the company. So now you will respect me. I His think face. I think both times I watched this episode, I was like, oh shit. Like, like that was like, God, it's such a great moment in this, in this episode. Well, I love it that she got to dress him down too about how he treated Jin. We're only, you know, she about how he treated Jin, how he was just like, you ruined his life. You were the, you were the reason why we were even on that plane. Yeah. You know, you hated my husband. You didn't respect him. I mean, everything that she said to him was true and pointed and just so perfect. You know, ugh, son, man, I love yeah, her. I mean, and she calls out her father, too, by saying, like, you know, there are two two men responsible for my husband's death. You are one of them. Like, she pulls no punches with her father in this. Scene. And what and what we'll find out when we watch, you know, when when you watch the next two episodes is that son really believes that Jin is dead. Yes. One hundred percent believes that Jin is dead. We don't. Yeah. As a first time viewer, we don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. Um because we don't know anything yet at this point as a first time viewer, like we don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, at at this point, you know, again, spoiler territory, Jin honestly believes, or uh, son honestly believes that Jin is dead. And it's interesting too, because when you, when you listen to that conversation and she says there are two men responsible as a first time viewer, you have to assume the other one is Ben because she knows, or, or Michael. Like, we don't know at this point who is the other person she's talking to. Well, I mean, you could say he's I mean, you could reasonably, I think, um, think that it's Kimi because Kimi's the one that set the yeah. C4. Right. And we leave this episode seeing that Jin is down by the C4 with people that are also not a part of the Oceanic Six. So, I mean, it is possible to make an early conclusion that oh, Jin yeah, that died it, on the boat. That it could be Kimi. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because that C4 is controlled by the heart monitor that that Kimi has. So it could be, you know, it, it could be a number of different scenarios that's responsible for Jin's death. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think I, th- I think in the end, it is Kimi that's responsible for Ben's death. Yeah, what stinks is that the only person that probably could have disarmed that bomb is on the island right now. <laughs> Who's Being that? T- he's Saeed. Oh, Saeed, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Who's Saeed that? could Saeed Who's could have that? <laughs> Saeed could have looked at that that C4, that bundle of C4 and told everybody like, "Okay, go to the deck. I got this." Yeah. And and had that, it disarmed easy. in a matter of time. That's easy for Saeed. <laughs> so, um so speaking of Saeed, I want to jump from unless you had any other notes on the sun flash forward. Nope. I'm good. Um I want to jump to the Saeed part of the flash forward. Uh, because, you know, we see the press conference, which we'll talk a little bit about, of, of course, too. Um, but there's that moment where the same representative from Oceanic tells him, like, there's a, there's somebody outside. She wasn't on the list. And we see the reuniting of Saeed and Nadia. Man, like, this scene, I did not know how to feel about this scene. I really honestly didn't. I was so conflicted because, one, I was happy that Saeed had his moment of being reunited with Nadia, but I was so, I was partly devastated because I know it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I, I, I was so, conf- no, I don't, when I say conflicted, I don't mean like I was upset about it or I had problems with it. I just did not know. Am I happy about this or am I sad about this? Because well, you we, know what? We, we know when we this know moment that they ends. Got, yeah. But we also know that they got married. We also know that he got, to be with Nadia. Yeah. You know, and there's something really beautiful about that. He did get some sort of a conclusion, a a resolution with Nadia. But at the same time, her fate drives him down a really bad path for a little while. And you also have to think is, was Nadia placed there to bring Saeed down a dark path? Was Nadia's fate already? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Predetermined. I did not think about that. Because, yeah, she could have been just part of the plan the whole time. I mean, we know that Charles Widmore and Ben Linus are ruthless, sociopathic men. And that's one of the things that, like, I'm trying to remember. And again, like, we, we've gotten to a point where there's certain things we don't remember, which I like. And I'm trying to remember, like, we've already gotten the scene where Ben tells Saeed, like, this guy is the one responsible for Nadia's death, and that's what leads Saeed to working with Ben. But I can't remember if that was truth or if that was deception on Ben's part just to get Saeed on his side. I'm trying to remember, and I don't think that's revealed. That might be revealed in parts two and three. I can't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. I'm looking forward to finding out, though. Yes, me too. Um. So what about you? Like, where's let take us to another take us to another spot. Let me get to my notes. <laughs> my notes are in my phone and my phone has been blowing up since we started recording. So I've had to put it in a different spot. Um, oh, so I want to talk about actually my my actual favorite scene in this movie. And that what movie movie? Oh gosh, Kristen, in this <laughs> in this episode was um the bombshell about Claire. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that. Cause I have feelings on that scene too. So I first, I want to start. I have a question. Did Kate hear that whole thing? I think she did. Okay. I, I think she was within earshot of it because there's that look that Kate kind of gives Jack at the end and then immediately cuts to Jack and the, they're holding the her grandson. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the, it cuts to Jack and the look of utter shock on his face. Yeah, I I think Jack was 
Matthew Fox was phenomenal in this scene. Yeah. His his nonverbal acting while she was saying this whole thing, as we know what he's experiencing. This is what's great. We know exactly why he's as shocked as he is. We know exactly why he took a couple steps back. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, he's floored. What, he's literally floored at this point. Well, yeah. Not literally, he's not on the floor. But but what he's able to portray in yeah. just his face and body language, it was really really well done. Um, you know, it's so funny because the minute I saw her, I remembered. Oh yeah. Like Mm -hmm. you just, you forget about that for a while. You know, that's just like some kind of a side character story. Well, I, I think as, as first time viewers, I think we've already put two and two together because we've seen Christian Shepard visit, um, you know, visit that Claire's mother. Well, Claire has already said that Christian is her dad when she sees him on the Island and she says, dad, yeah, so we've are so it's already been established to us as viewers mm-hmm. that Claire is Christian Shepard's daughter, a which ipso facto makes her Jack's sister. But yeah, this is the first time that we're getting the reveal of Jack finding out that Claire was his sister, is his sister. I love it. I I absolutely love it. I love the, the whole speech, and <clears throat> and then um, you know, th- then you realize that Jack doesn't want to see Aaron for a very specific reason, because Kate was like, why won't you come? Why won't you come? You won't even, you, you need to see Aaron when they were fighting uh, before they, before the court case, before they got back together or. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's like a weird, I have to, I have to, I have to try and remember the timeline again, but like he didn't want to see Aaron for a while. And then they got into this weird fight where he said, he's not even your blood yeah. or he's not even, you're not, your you're family. not even, you're not even his mother. Or, yeah. No, no, no. He said something about, you're not, oh, you're not even, even related, related. Yeah. yeah. And we, you and I remembered that, okay, well, this is because Jack is related to Aaron, which is mm-hmm. probably why he, feels he has more of a stake in it. I don't know. There's just, there's, there's so many different layers to this one storyline. Um, but I, I love the scene and I just thought it was really well done. I no, I agree with you completely. And I even have that. That's one of my notes as well as the, um, you know, the Jack and Claire connection revealed. And, you know, one of the brilliant things I loved about this show, and it's, it's, it's a key note of brilliant writing in anything. Um, we got it a little bit in WandaVision was when WandaVision was on is that, there can be a reveal of something that we already know, but it still strikes up an emotion when yeah. you find out. Like we already knew that Kate or, or that Claire and Jack were related. Mm-hmm. But in this scene, and I think you're absolutely right, a lot of it goes to the acting of Matthew Fox in this scene is when we see her reveal to Jack that, you know, you know, you didn't even realize you're, you were. You, your sister was on that plane. You were sitting rows from her. The moment she says her name was Claire, my stomach dropped. I'm like, why is my like, why am I reacting to this? I already yeah. knew it. Because it's a great scene. You're yeah. in it. You're just yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to say too, like, it's not a, Matthew Fox is phenomenal in this episode. But I want to say on top of that, Naveen Andrews is phenomenal. In this episode, Michael Emerson is phenomenal in this episode. There is some top notch acting in this. Yeah, everybody finale. brought it. Yeah. Everybody brought it. Even Sawyer brought it. 
love Josh uh, yeah. Holloway. Eugene Kim, you know, as oh. some like, oh, she killed it in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And and lots I lots of emotion. Yeah. I can't wait. Like there's a part of me that wants to watch the two part finale once we're done recording. Well, well I probably like two will. and three. Yeah. Um, like it's probably gonna get multiple watches before we record next week. Yeah. Um and I'm encouraging people now stick around to the end of the podcast to get the the links for feedback. I want feedback on parts two and three. I like I don't even care if it's you just saying like I loved it. Like I want feedback on parts two and three. So I'm but putting we it also out there know now. that we also know that everybody's busy. I know. <laughs> so I know. People don't feel you need to do it. Yeah, I, but yeah. do it. <laughs> you can't listen anymore if you don't leave feedback no that's not the case like we appreciate everybody who listens um but if you do have time to leave us feedback for parts two and three do please it. do please yeah. do because i want to hear how everybody else feels about this finale um yeah i'm glad you brought that one up though because that was a great that was was absolutely in my notes yeah. And did you notice that Kate kind of like shielded Aaron from her a little bit? Like, like you're not going to see his face because he probably looks like you. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like he could be related because he is weird that she wouldn't make a connection like that. Um, well, I mean, it, the news is telling everybody that this was Kate's daughter. So, you know, why would she assume otherwise? I don't think. Son. Um. No. The news was telling everybody that Aaron was Kate's daughter. Son. Who? What are you talking about? <laughs> Who's on first? Kate's son. Oh, son. Jesus. I thought you were bringing up the character son. I'm like, what are you talking Hi. about? Oh, yeah. Who's Aaron, on first? Aaron, What's Aaron on second? <laughs> Aaron is a boy. You're right. My, my, my fault. <laughs> you're saying, you're saying Chandler's son, a like, girl. Chandler's a girl. <laughs> okay, stop saying it. <laughs> 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 off the rails uh, just the fact that you can bring up that line and I immediately know the response <laughs> and I broke Kristen <laughs> Linda Clayclocken Linda Clayclocken oh the line that started our friendship <laughs> okay stop saying it I'm so sorry I'm so sorry <laughs> I broke Kristen. <laughs> sorry, folks. You got to do laughing fit for a minute. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm ready. I, pro <laughs> I promise I'm ready. Oh, I'm all sweaty now. I know. You kept saying son. I'm like, why are you bringing her up? Like, she's oh not part gosh. of the scene. <laughs> Chandler's a girl. Chandler's a girl. <laughs> Okay, I can't. I can't do it. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, so, okay. So we talked about the sun flash forward uh, off the island. We talked about Saeed. Um, we talked a little bit. Let's just continue on with the Jack stuff, um, you know, in Christian Shepherd's wake. I really don't know if there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. I mean. No. Oh, you know what? I did have one thing to say about, about that is that. Okay is that Jack or is that Kate was like, you did a good job. And Kate or, and then she said somebody, Oh, Jack said, well, I had a lot of practice. And I thought to myself, 
No, you didn't. Hurley did all of the eulogies. You you did like maybe one or two, maybe, but Hurley was in charge of funerals. Yeah, that's a good point. I so, Mister, I did everything on the island. Wasn't right. See, when, I can flip back and forth on Jack, no problem. When he said that, though, do you think that was referring to the eulogies, or do you think that was just referring to dealing with death? Because that no, he I, did have to deal a lot with. Yeah, but no, I think that it was you know having to do with eulogies because he just gave a eulogy. And I think, yeah, and I think out of all the funerals that they had on the island, I think he only gave a eulogy maybe once. Maybe. Yeah. That, I don't know. Hurley was the one that like, you know, went around and talked to people and found out stuff about people. And, you know, he knew everybody. Hurley, Hurley should have done Christian Shepherd's eulogy. <laughs> he would have done a better job even not even having known Christian. I know. Jack's like, this is just for me. Bye, Dad. I loved you. So long. Yeah. Okay. What was on the back of the cocktail napkin, Jack? Because that seems better than what you just said. <laughs> well, but I mean, I, I mean, I, I do want to say one thing about that scene, though, too, is as we've learned over time throughout the course of the series that Jack does as as much as he's authoritative and he can take control of a situation, he does kind of have trouble with words. I mean, look at him writing his wedding vows. Uh, live together, die alone. That was genius. And it comes back in this episode. Yeah. Via we Sawyer. have to go back. Oh, well, no, I'm talking about via Sawyer. It comes back. No, I know. I'm just okay. saying more of his stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Live together, die alone. Like, And, and that's still one of the most popular phrases of this of the series mm-hmm. is if we can't live together, we're going to die alone. Um, Rose, if you say live together, die alone, Jack, <laughs> I'm going to punch you. <laughs> I love Rose and Bernard. I, you know, I know we've talked to MC Ganey and we're going to be talking to, you know, Brad William Henke uh, at some point over season five while we're covering season five. I really need to start reaching out and trying to get some more of these people on. Like I like I you get Rose on. uh, We have to talk to her about being Captain Holt's mother. Captain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. In Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, yeah, like uh, I, I would love to get Al Scott Caldwell on because she's fantastic. Like she is everything um, she does. I have I oh no, I didn't meet Bernard. I met um her um oh god, what's his name? Hurst? No, the one that exploded. Arnst. Arnst, that's right. I met I met Arnst years ago and he was <laughs> oh great. my gosh, I totally forgot about that guy. <laughs> you got a little Arnst on you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would I would love to get oh god you know what I've had Kevin Durant who plays Kimi on my spotlight podcast twice I, I hate him to, I, yeah but you know what he's a great guy in person no I understand that but he plays the part real well because I hate him yeah I and you know what I love people that can play the villain really well yeah oh yeah yeah I mean definitely. you look at you look I hate bringing it up again but look at Joffrey from shut up from Game of Thrones, like nope. he, but th- but every single person in that cast says like he is the complete opposite, and he is the sweetest kid. You know, I I would I would like to see. No, I know I I've heard that. I Same with love- Lena Headey. Yeah, yeah, they say she's really like really sweet in real life. Yeah, but I I would love to maybe get try and get Kevin Durant back on, um, to talk to talk to him about Kimi. We got to get Nestor Carbonell. I got to try and get Nestor Carbonell on to talk about so Richard. many questions about Richard Alpert. 
and like including like how do you get your eyeliner so on point i don't think that's eyeliner man i think (laughs) those are his eyes yeah Yeah. um so sawyer has so sawyer under stress i think sawyer under stress equals sawyer making up nicknames (laughs) okay because he he's under an incredible amount of stress in this episode. And we hear him say Genghis, Yahoo, Shaggy, and new other and new other which was, that was I, my favorite. Yep. <laughs> I want to, yeah, let's talk about Sawyer in this episode episode because episode, uh, this episode, because, you know, as we've talked over, over the episodes, we've been doing this. I have found a new love for Sawyer for the character. Mm-hmm. This episode is no exception. Yeah. When he and Miles run into Jack and Kate, when he is telling Jack that they lost Claire, and when he says to Jack and Kate, we were kind of hoping she she went back to the beach, there is such a look of honest-to-God concern on his face for Claire. These are his people. Yeah. These are his people. He's never had people before in his entire life. These are his people. He there is. He's an oh, my God. Like he's another one. Josh Holloway acts his ass off in this episode. Um, That look of concern for Claire. But even that even there's that little like head down moment when he when he tells Jack, like, just like Locke said, when he's Mm -hmm. admitting that Locke was right. It's kind of like a look that he's giving to Jack. I want to say I told you so, but I won't. Well, it's a high pressure situation right now. He's got he's got a baby in his arms. It's probably the first time he's held a baby. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't know where his friend is. He just saved that friend uh, after being blown up in a house, which she miraculously lived through. You know, there is a theory out there that Claire died in that scene. And that's why she goes crazy. Is because it's not Claire anymore. Oh, I'm sure that that's absolutely true. That's a great theory. Yeah, that's a great theory. Um, I love it at the at when he chases after Jack and he says, hang on, I'm not going to let you go dying by yourself or dying alone. I'm not going to let you go die alone. And yeah, I love Sawyer in that scene, because as we've said before, like he is the kind of guy that like maybe he'll insult you. But when it comes to protecting his own, he will die for you. Including Jack. Yeah. And, and Sawyer knows how dangerous Kimi's men are. I mean, they just killed everybody in that in the cottages. He and- watched Alex get shot in the head and and they left her body in the middle of the grass. Yeah. He I mean, know, he knows that's how a ruthless, ruthless man. He knows how ruthless and bad Kimi's men are. But mm-hmm. yet seeing Jack go off on his own he's still willing to risk his life to go with Jack and make sure Jack is protected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that scene alone, if that scene, it, it just that scene alone tells you everything you need to know about Sawyer. Yes. hundred percent. And I love it. Yeah. Cause I, I have hold up. You don't get to die alone. That's yeah. That's the quote. And he, and he loads the gun as he goes, he's great. I yeah. love him. But it's also important to note, too, that Miles just kind of gives that like, oh, good luck, you know. But again, Miles, Miles doesn't really have any reason. He doesn't know these people. Th- Not to he- mention, he doesn't know that he needs to get off the island. Yeah. 
Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't know, know a lot of what's going on right now. He's just kind of wandering through the woods, just happy to be out of the boathouse. Yeah. You know, as as far as what these people know and what they don't know, it's very interesting to me that Miles doesn't know what's going on. Charlotte's kind of not kind of in in the lurch about everything going on. The captain didn't know about secondary protocol, but Daniel does. So how does Daniel know about the secondary protocol when the captain didn't even know? I found that to be a very interesting question about this episode. Well, the captain's just there to man the boat, right? Yeah, I guess I, mean, the, I guess his job is basically just to get them there and get them home. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, my my assumption would be is that Daniel Faraday knows the entire plan because it's probably, the plan probably has a lot to do with him. He's the mathematical, he's the math guy. He's the, he's the guy that probably knows how to get on and off the island. You know, he knows about the bearings. He knows about the time difference. Um, and I'll bet that, you know, his, his whole objective is to make sure that they don't go to secondary protocol, but maybe he thinks that's a lost cause now. I don't know. Yeah, because it's very interesting when he when he realizes that secondary protocol has been initiated, like that's the first thing he says to Charlotte is we need to get off this island. So he knows either he knows. But Charlotte doesn't know. No, she doesn't. Which is that's interesting. Well, that's what I would. That's why I said like Charlotte's kind of like out in the lurch. Miles doesn't know anything, but Daniel knows what secondary protocol. Right. Right. So Charlotte not knowing that's that's more interesting, I think, than the captain not knowing. I want to I want to point out too that this is kind of the first hints that we get of a uh, a ship between Charlotte and Daniel. Like that's going to get explored a little bit more did into, you just the, say into ship? the next season. I did. Ugh. I know. Um, but that's a little bit. That's going to get definitely get explored more next season. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time we kind of get that inclination that like, okay, there might be a little something more between Daniel and Charlotte. They're not just team members. There's uh, there's something more. And we find out in, in the next season that it's more on Daniel's side than Charlotte's. But there's there, there's some there on she Charlotte's She has some too. care for him. She yeah. saw him go away on that boat, on that little speeder boat. And she felt, you could tell, she felt genuine feelings. Concerned. Yeah. Yeah. She was concerned that he was going off to do this. Um, let's see. We talked about we talked about the C four already on the boat. Uh, where do you want to go? If, if there's anything- oh, we need to go to Ben and Locke and Hurley. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> go for it. Start um, us off. Oh, thanks for saying where we're going to go and then throw it to me. It's fine. Well, yeah, no. because you, I know you have stuff to say. No, I mean, and it, it's fine. Like, again, so it's very interesting to note that I think this this episode in particular is, you know, we, we've said over the course of this podcast that certain characters, w- like there are arches and there are waves with some characters. Some characters hit an arch and then come back down. Other ones just go, just fluctuate like Ben. Like Ben fluctuates off and on, off and on. And the dynamic between Ben and Locke is is in itself a wave. Like mm-hmm. there are certain episodes where we see Locke seems like he's in more control than Ben. And then there are other episodes where Ben is definitely in more control of the situation than Locke is. This is one of those episodes where 
Locke has kind of been like the key to everything, like finding the cabin and everything else. But now, um, you know, we're in a situation where Jacob tells Locke they have to move the island. Locke doesn't know how to do that, but Ben does. So guess now who's back in control? Ben. And that's Ben. Yeah. You know, and when Ben is in control, he is a very dangerous person. That dangerous doesn't necessarily mean dangerous for the the losties. It could be dangerous for other people. As we're going to find out, it's not dangerous for Locke and Hurley. It's dangerous for Kimi's men. You know, when you look at him at the at the end of that scenario, and he tells Locke, like, I like, what are you going to do about Kimi's men? He's like, I told you, I always have a plan, and just walks off to give himself up. It's like, okay. He has to have a plan because otherwise that's the dumbest move he can make. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when he said, when, do, when, what did he say? So it's something like, how many times do I have to keep telling you, John, or something like that? I always have a plan. Yeah. I never doubt that Ben's got the situation completely in control. Me neither. At this point, if you have any doubt about it, then you haven't been watching the show very clearly. This man knows what he's doing at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And as as what's going to show in the in the parts two and three, it's not dangerous for Locke and Hurley. It's dangerous for Kimi. Yeah. But in return, that also becomes dangerous for the people on the boat, which Ben has no idea about. He has no idea about what's going on. So <clears throat> it could be that Sun can hold either Kimi or Ben responsible for what she thinks is Jin's death. But if it is, if she is holding Ben responsible, she she does have a right to do that. But but it's Ben unknowingly being responsible. Right. So it's more. It's more of Kimi's fault because Kimi's the one that set it up. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ben at the point when he tries to take out Kimi has no idea he's connected to C4 on the boat. Right. Right. You know, that's true. So, I mean, it's it's unintentional. Um. He he's on it. He's at fault unintentionally, um, you know, but I, you know, going back to like when he finds the box, um, there's a couple interesting things about that scene when he finds the box, 15 year old saltines. Okay. The fact that Locke sees that box of saltines and immediately tosses it to Hurley. I found kind of insulting on Locke. I did too. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Oh, I was like that. Well, you know what? This is I I, I have turned on Locke. I've I turned on Locke along uh, very early in this season. Right. I just nothing he does is for the greater good anymore. Everything is for just himself. He's just as bad as Ben, I think, in this situation, um, if not worse, because at least Ben has some sort of bigger picture that we don't know in mind. Locke is just reacting to what he thinks he should be doing for his own personal benefit and journey. Um, He thinks he's the leader, but the leader of what? The leader of you? Because like you haven't given anybody else any respect or anything like that in a while. Yeah. Um, Which kind of... it's kind of cool. I, I had this realization, if you don't mind me saying this, I no, had this realization um, when I was watching the episode that I, 
I kept, I, I've wondered for a while, why is Hurley with them? Why is Hurley with them? And I realized this entire time Hurley is with Ben and Locke because Hurley doesn't like to be motivated to do anything. Hurley doesn't like to take initiative. As we saw in his birthday party, Hurley runs from anything having to do with those numbers for anything that might be too scary for him. He runs, he, he sticks his head in the sand. Locke and Ben don't do that. So I think in order for Hurley to be educated enough to eventually lead this island and to get where he needs to go, he needed these guides. And I think that Ben and Locke act as guides for Hurley. And that is Locke's only purpose is to get Hurley where he needs to go. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. I mean, when you, and that's a very interesting perspective because when you look at that, you, you're right. We have two men who are who are leaders in the mm-hmm. situation, but they're leaders for very different reasons and with different motivations. So it's kind of like being with Ben and Locke is a lesson. Like it's it's absolutely a lesson for Hurley. Like mm-hmm. he's he's kind of not only learning what not to do from both of these guys, mm-hmm. but he's learning what to do from both of these guys. He's also learning about what the orchid is, what that does. You know, he's he's learned about where the where everything is in the island. He's learning about the the purge and the history of what happened there. But he's doing it all on his own terms by being a casual observer and just taking it in mm-hmm. and not having to make any decisions because he unlike Sawyer, he doesn't do or unlike Sawyer and Jack, he doesn't do well under pressure at all. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, he it's kind of it, it kind of is further proof of what we've been saying for a while is that Hurley was always meant to be the leader and the protector of this island in the end, which is yeah. what he which is what he becomes at the end yeah. of the series. He becomes the island's protector. Um, one of the other things I really want to know, I, I really want to note that I kind of realized about this series, too, is that we've been led to believe this entire time that Ben was the villain. And in many aspects, he was. But one of the reasons why I love the character of Ben so much is because of the dynamic he portrays. And when you look at this episode really shines a light when you compare the dynamic between Ben's motivation and Locke's motivation. You're absolutely right in that Locke's motivation is completely selfish. Mm-hmm. He's, he's acting on his own. But when you look at the situation as a whole with Ben in this episode... This whole time, he really has been just trying to, he's done it in nefarious ways, but his motivation has always been to protect this island. Yeah. Um, Locke's motivation is to just do for himself. Ben's yes. motivation has been to be, to do for the island. So when these losties first arrived, he perceived them as a threat. Mm-hmm. And to the protection of the island, which is why he did the things that he did. Now, they're no longer the threat. Kimi's men are the threat. So his motivation switches to, I have to move this island because the island is more important. The island mm-hmm. is more important than everything that's going on right now. So that's why he's willing to work with Locke. He's willing to work with Hurley. He's willing to put himself, his own life on the line. It's all for the island. Well, so- Hurley gave him a candy bar. So they're cool now, which I love that scene last week. (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) I'm telling you, like Jorge Garcia has been a a shining light throughout this entire series. And Mm -hmm. he and he continues to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, but like I, you know, like I was saying before, how certain characters have 
waves and arcs, we're going to see from this point forward a very different Ben Linus. This yeah. is this is kind of the the turning point for Ben, because now going forward, he's not against the Losties anymore. He's with them against everybody else, you know, who's a danger to the island. Whereas Locke, on the other hand, who was always trying to protect everybody else, is now so motivated by selfishness that one, it costs him his life mm -hmm. at the hands of the very man he's working with right now. Again, spoiler territory for future. Um, but it also opens up a doorway for a bigger evil to take his place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's those pieces on the human chessboard between Jacob and the man in black. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's definitely a Jacob versus the man in black dynamic that is starting to emerge uh, between Ben and Locke. Yeah. But somehow Hurley wins. And, and I'm fine with that. Oh, me too. It's just, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's all right there in this episode with the three of them. And it's, it's almost like the, the pieces are starting to fall into place. And if you're a first time viewer, you don't know that that's what's happening right now. It's cool. I like it. It's such a fun dynamic to watch. And yeah. You know, I, I realized if if our listeners played a drinking game every time I mentioned where they had to do a shot every time I mentioned the word dynamic, um, they'd be hammered right now. So but I I'm mean, okay it's, it. a, it's like 1030 in the morning. That's fine. <laughs> That's true. Well, it might not be at the time they're listening to this. So um, let's see. I want to I mean, it's not there's not really a lot to say, um, but her oh, I had one more note. Oh, go for it. Kimi sucks. That's oh. literally my my last note. Uh, that's your that's your own that's your last note of the entire that's episode. Last note. Oh. Kimi that's, sucks. That's a good note to end with. <laughs> I'm telling you though, like it's so weird for me because having spoken to Kevin Durant a couple times already, like it's weird watching him play this character because I know how he is in person. But that's the brilliance of a phenomenal actor is somebody yeah. who can be incredibly nice and genuine in person and friendly and funny to play a character this swarmy and this evil is like, it's it's fantastic and acting on his part. Is he Australian? No. Not that I, no, I don't think so. Is he British? No, he's American. He's from the US of A. That's weird. He speaks like he's covering up an accent. He Maybe he is. Um... I'm looking, I'm, I'm checking right now as we're talking. Um, no. Oh, he's Canadian. Well, that's a little bit. <laughs> so I was wrong. He's not American, but Canadian. So that works. Um, yeah. Phenomenal actor. I love him. I, I love everything I see him in. I'm going to, I'm going to actually try and get him back on the podcast to talk to him a little about, because we don't really have a lot of time left with his character. We only have like I think, we I think we only have next week and that's it. So Good. I, it might be a quick turnaround or otherwise it might be a little bit after his character's gone. We'll talk to him, but I'm going to try. Uh, stupid Kimi. Stupid Kimi. Um, so let's see. I want to jump back to Hurley's birthday party. Uh, because 
that you you mentioned you touched on it a little bit there's the camaro with the numbers on the odometer which is the first time we've seen the numbers in a while actually mm-hmm. uh you know the writers and the producers kind of like to throw them in there as kind of like hidden things but they haven't even been hidden things in a while uh, uh they were hidden in this episode well they weren't hidden it's revealed that they weren't or do you mean they're in another they're in another part of the episode so at the birthday party uh, there are four palm trees on the lanai, eight helium balloons tied by the pool, 15 presents on the table, 16 party hats worn by background individuals. 23 and 42 were the numbers on the jerseys worn on the two boys crossing over the pool right after the DJ was shown. Uh, on the plane that uh, the Oceanic Six arrive on, the numbers 1717 on the side uh, we're on the plane. One plus seven equals eight. Seven plus one plus seven equals 15. One plus seven plus one plus seven equals 16. What? Get the hell oh, out of here. And the Oceanic Six found rescue after 108 days. They did. They found, I, I do have that in my notes, is they found rescue after 108 days. After a hundred and on the 103rd day, a typhoon washed a fishing trawler uh, with supplies that made it, that made them able to to build the raft or to get the raft and, and leave. Um, which uh, a very interesting thing to note, which first off, before I even get to that, well done. Thank you. Cause even in my deep dive, I did not pick up on that. <laughs> that if you could listeners, if you could see my face, my jaw was dropping. The more you gave me over those numbers, like from the jerseys to the presence that's well done. That was phenomenal. That was a, that was a good one. Um, in my deep dive, though, on that with, you know, finding out on day 103, there was a typhoon day 108 that found rescue. If you look at the actual timeline in real life, so the real time timeline from the day that the premiere happened to 103 days later, uh, there was indeed a typhoon in in that area outside of Indonesia. So ah. they used a real life event to explain how they found rescue. Love it. Which is I love brilliant. It. Yeah. Because people. So and when you look at the, the town, the village that they washed up that they came up on shore is an actual town. The only thing fictional about the entire story of how they got home was the island that they that the current took them to. That little island off the coast of Indonesia is is a fictional island, but everything uh, Mimbata, else. Yes, and Mimbata. Um, hang on. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Oh, where is it? Hang on, I'll find it. I'll find it. <laughs> Damn it! Where is it? Hang on, I got uh, Mimbata. The name of the island is Indonesian for doubt or yep. uncertainty. Yep. There you go, everybody. There's your trivia for the day. Yeah, 103 days puts this pretty close, if not dead, onto the events of the real-life tsunami, uh, which was a result of a typhoon. So everything about their story when they came home... Checked out. Checks out, with the exception of that island, with the exception of Mambata, which was fictional and made up for the, for the, the show. But I, like I, when I looked into that and I realized all of that, I'm like, that's brilliant that's absolutely brilliant 
Uh, let's see. What else do I have in my notes? Oh, um, going back to real quick to Hurley's birthday party. We mentioned the whole interesting choice of party. Yeah, mom really doesn't get it. Uh, the odometer in the Camaro, the, the golden idol of, of Jesus. Um, but what I really liked about this episode was the coconut and the whispering. Mm-hmm. Because we know already at this point that Hurley's going to go crazy, like with shit happening in his head, yeah. or is it in his head? So leading into that with like the coconut and the whispers, like you as a first time viewer, you're like, oh, does this when his like craziness starts? No, it's just a poorly themed surprise party from his mother. And then his mom's like outraged that he would be even worried like he clearly has some ptsd like recognize it in your son <laughs> yes well that's why i like that like mom really doesn't get it oh my gosh does she ever i was very um dubious of the fact that he didn't run back into the party and tell kate and saeed immediately about the camaro's numbers well i think he just wanted to get as far away from it as possible like because that's what we see we see him running down the street but that's also another call to the fact that Hurley is not where he's supposed to be. True. I I love at the beginning of this scene because we get it in the press conference when that reporter says to him, like, how does it make you feel to know you're getting all that money back? And he's like, I don't want it. Like, I don't want any part of it. And we see that because when he shows up at the party, he's driving that old jalopy, like one of those cars that keeps running even after you mm-hmm. turn it off, which... We don't see cars like that anymore. Like cars are so electronic now that when you turn yeah. them off, they, they they turn off. But old combustible engines like that that kept running even if you turn the ignition off. I I love that so much that they threw that in there. Well, and then when he said he didn't want the money because it was cursed, did you see that his dad like gave a smile like, oh, I get to keep the money because they've what? been using that money pretty freely. Was it a smile or yes. was it kind of a smirk that he was kind of like, oh, that means we're not going to get the money. His dad never, his dad went came back into his life because of the money. True. And you know that they that's where they lived and that's what they lived on after Hurley was gone. It's not like they all of a sudden didn't have his oh. money. God, when you when he walks into that house before the surprise party and he finds the coconut. What a when, gaudy when, house. Oh, gaudy is the word I was just going to use. Like, it is ugly. I Like, gaudy is like, I, I, I guess when you live at modest means like we do, like, it's like, okay, like, that is ugly. Who yeah. wants any, like, even if I had that kind of money, that is not how my house would look. No, I want, I want homie. I love yeah. homie. I want my, I want people to come over to my house and be like, oh, I'm so comfortable here. Not yeah. like, is it okay if I sit on this? Yeah. Modest chairs, modest decorations. Yeah. All of my money would be put into the studio in the basement. All of my money is usually put into food. Well, that too. <laughs> that absolutely too. Uh, let's see a couple other final notes I have. Oh man, we didn't talk about this at all, but the beginning of the episode when Jack decides he's going out after Saeed and Desmond, who he thinks are on the chopper, man, there's some difference of opinion between him and Juliet for the first time in a while. Like when he turns to Kate and he says to Kate, like, you, you know, you want to go and Juliet's like, no, like you should not be going. Jack's having no part of it. He's like, nope. He's like, I'm good. I'm going to the point where Juliet's like, fine, don't die. You know, like she's she's done with it. She's fed up. Like, okay, like I'm not going to stop you if you're going to do it. Do it. I don't care. I've, I'm those the last words that 
they speak to each other until they until Jack comes back to the island. Ooh, you know what? I think you're right. That had a finality to it for some reason to me. I I felt a like an end. And I think you're right because I think the next time we see Jack, it's on the chopper with Lapidus headed towards the freighter. He leaves the island on that chopper. Interesting for somebody who wanted to get everybody else off the island and he's on the chopper. Like, well, oh yeah, because he doesn't know that Saeed's there with the boat. So I don't, yeah, it, because once he, because he's on the chopper headed towards the freighter, I think he had every intention of going back to the island, but he didn't know the island was going to move. Nobody knew that. No, except for Ben. <laughs> You know, Even John was like, sure. Okay. Let's move. Let's move the Island. <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right. I think that's the last words they say to each other until, yeah. until they end up back to the Island. Juliet's on the greener pastures. Yep. Cause yeah. Cause we're getting that Juliet Sawyer relationship coming up, which is finally. Yeah. It's so good. I can't wait till we get to dive into that. As short as it is. I don't even care. It's awesome. Uh, you know, we talked about Jack and Sawyer, um, well, no, we didn't talk about it, but you know, Jack and Sawyer find Lapidus in the chopper. Um, I love Lapidus. I do too. I'd like to get, I'd like to get Jeff Fahey on the podcast too. Um, we talked about Kate, uh, tracker Kate and the, the immortal Richard Alpert. So we know Richard's going to play a part in the parts two and three. The only other thing I really have, the only final note I have is when Jin and son get back to the boat. And see Michael for the first time. Oh, I me too. I wanted I, I didn't want to end this without their reaction was priceless. And it was so funny because I'm like, why are they staring like that? Like it's who are they looking at. But yeah. I, I forgot and this is just me with I, I have a very weird life right now. And so like <laughs> I, I compartmentalize everything right now. So I'm watching it and I said, Why I don't understand what are they staring at like this? And then it shows Michael. I go, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So I said, Michael's on the boat. Cause I thought to myself, they can't be looking at Desmond this way. <laughs> no, no, it was Michael. It was Michael, but yeah, it's, you know, I'm a, that man, the daggers. It's weird because Jin has more of a look of confusion. Like, how did you get here? And son has like those daggers from her eyes. Like if I wasn't holding this baby, I would kill you. I'd scratch your eyes right out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love it that Michael's like, translate for me. And Jen's like, oh, I understand, understand, fool. Yeah. (laughs) And that kind of shows like the journey that Jen's gone on. I mean, the last time he saw Michael, Michael was the only friend he really had because they had some kind of weird language dynamic between the two of them. But now Jen's made friends. He's settled into his marriage. He's going to be a father. He's learning English. Um, Michael's missed all that. And I thought that was a really nice way to show how far Jin has come since the beginning of this series. And it's, there's also a heartbreaking moment in here. If you think about it too, when Jin and son are on the boat (laughs) and Jin is staring at son, holding the baby, like you can tell, like he's looking at her and he's thinking, God, you're going to be an amazing mother. I can't wait to have a baby with you. He's never going to get to meet his own child. I also think that that's the last that Jin and Sun are in the same room together. It is. Well, on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On the boat is the final time they're together. 
Yeah. I think the next time she sees him is when the helicopter's taking off and then the boat explodes. Yeah. And that's when she legitimately thinks that that Jin is dead. I. And it's also interesting to note, too, that parts two and three of this finale are also the last time we see Jin with broken English. Yeah. Because next time we see Jin in season five, I'm pretty sure the next time we see him, he speaks fluently. Yeah. Well, Daniel Day Kim, man, I mean, he's just he's he's so great because I remember when he was on um, Hawaii he was on Hawaii Five O. I was like, wait a minute. He's he speaks English fine. He speaks really like really well. And then and then I realized, oh, Kristen, he's bilingual, you (laughs) dumb, racist (laughs) woman. I, I want to say, too, he they haven't really explored his character much yet, but he's on New Amsterdam now, which is another show I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. He's and also he, a voice in, in uh, Ryan, the Last Dragon, which I haven't watched yet, but I really want to. Um. So, yeah, when I saw that he was joining the cast of New Amsterdam, I got really excited. And it's you know what? That's one of the things I like shit that shows how much love I still have for the show is that anytime we see any of these cast members appear on other projects, I automatically get excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when, when Jorge Garcia popped up on Hawaii Five-0, I was thrilled. Yeah. Terry O'Quinn popped up on Hawaii Five-0. I was thrilled. Uh, Jimmy Buffett arrived. No, <laughs> he's not a lost. I know, but he's Jimmy Buffett, and I think he deserves uh, some recognition. Un- unless there's like a Margaritaville hidden somewhere on the island, and we just don't know about it. It's never- the whole island is Margaritaville. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, I think that's all the notes I have for the episode, though. I don't yeah, know if I don't have, have anything, anything else. else. Okay, Mm-mm. that that made it uh that made it interesting or made it fun. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we we do have a couple pieces of feedback that we're going to get to. But before we do that, again, I, I want to encourage everybody out there, please leave us feedback if you have the time. It could be short. It could be long. I don't, I don't really care. I want feedback for parts two and three of this finale. And you have until next Tuesday, Tuesday night to get it to us because we record on Wednesday mornings. So, you know, you have a little bit of time. You have the weekend plus a couple days into uh, into the week. Um, but ways that you can leave us feedback first, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Twitter at lost revisit pod and Instagram at lost revisited pod. You can email us at lost revisited pod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. Yes. Uh, one of the other things I want to mention too, if you like the show, please be sure to leave us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever whatever app you're using that allows you to uh, to leave reviews. Uh, let us know, because the more reviews we get, the more uh, the more we love you. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so that leads us to our pieces of feedback for this week. Uh, we have feedback from our friends Steve Brown and Des Combs. So let's uh, let's kick it off with our buddy Steve Brown. We are in shock, Jack. Love, son. Hey, Kristen and Ben, it's Steve, and I am on my second watch of uh, There's No Place Like Home Part 1. I just read it off my screen because I'm watching on Hulu. Um, so uh, I've had a little bit to drink as well, but I'm, it's going to be a good one. Uh, I, I, it's a really good episode. I've forgotten so much about these these next seasons that it's going to be exciting to watch them and hear you guys break them down. 
How many times does a rabbit's foot come up in this episode? At least twice, right? This one right now with the pilot and later on with Hurley. Maybe that's all. Your families are already here. Oh, oh, but not yours, Kate, because, you know, you're like a fugitive. And Saeed, you don't have any family. No, as far as we know, anyway. <laughs> Miles just casually walking along. Whoa! <laughs> Gun in my face. Whoa! I love that we continue to see the extension of Sawyer's protectiveness over Hugo here. Um, you know, when he finds out that the bad guys are there, are, are going to be where Hugo is. So I, I love that. I love that. love side-eye acting and, and son just gives this side-eye when Jack is trying to retell this story. That's uh, such BS. I had totally forgotten that Saeed was on the boat and on the, the, the raft and Desmond had stayed on the ship. Dangerous and unpredictable. Two things I don't like hearing about since I retired from the military. Just saying. You know those are 15 years old. <laughs> I think this is my favorite scene of this episode of Sun coming to her father's company and being Mama Bear. Hey, I'm going to finish watching the episode, but I want to, I want to say my last moment that I, I absolutely loved, and Matthew Fox played it amazing, is when he finds out that Claire is actually his, his half-sister, but he can't reveal to this woman who uh, ha what his relationship was, how he knew Claire, and I'm so sorry that I went over two minutes. Oh, God, I love Steve's commentary. I do too. It's of, wonderful of the episode. I love that he felt the same way we did that Jack or that Matthew Fox played that scene phenomenally. Yeah. Uh, and he's with us on the sun aspect being one of our favorite parts of the episode. Um, yeah. Thanks Steve for your always fantastic feedback every week. And you, you, you brought up something as we were listening to that too. Uh, you're right. There was a point in time when Steve was not as into the show as he has gotten into now. Yeah. Like he, he, he didn't, was just, he didn't want, he was like, you guys are doing a podcast on loss. I mean, I guess, <laughs> and he's completely turned around and I love that. Yep. I love, I've gotten that from a number of people oh, who, good. Have, who have said they've come around on the show and, um, you know, we have some people that listen to the podcast that aren't even watching the show. They're just listening for our breakdowns of the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is great. I, however you want to do it. If you want to watch along with us, if you're just listening to us after having seen the show already, like, that's fine. That's great. We're just we're happy, happy that it. you're we're in your ears. Yep. Uh, but that bring, brings us to our other piece of feedback. And our that NPR. It, Wait, give 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 his uh, his disclaimer. <laughs> oh, he said, oh, hold on. Now I got to bring it up. Uh, oh, yeah. Des's feedback. He says, uh, I know this sounds like a budget NPR host, but I'm trying to be quiet while everyone is asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we don't listen to these in advance. So but just that note's kind of like, OK, what are we going to expect from this from this feedback? Good but, times. Good times. Let's go ahead and play that now. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Ben. Oh, Hope everyone's doing well. <laughs> There's no place like home. So we're finally up to part one of the three-part finale for season four. This episode really amps up the suspense. 
we have Jack and Kate trying to get to the helicopter so they can get to the Kahana. We know Kimi has a dead man switch hooked up to him to blow up the freighter if anything happens to him. Meanwhile, Ben, Locke, and Hurley are heading to the Orchid where Ben has every intention of killing Kimi. Gee, I wonder if that'll all work out okay. Alright, I haven't defended Jack in a while, so here we go. Yeah, he sometimes can be a little condescending to Kate and Hurley, and he can treat Sawyer like dirt. But this episode, we pretty much just see the good in him. The man just had his appendix taken out, and he's going to do whatever it takes to make good on his promise to get the Lossies home, even if it means he doesn't make it. He even admits that he has made calls that have put others at risk and wants to go get them to safety. Then he even gives his father a nice eulogy. On the other hand, Kate makes a great observation. You know when most people are lying and can't look you in the eye? You do the opposite. I wonder if that's like a common trait of sociopaths. At the Oceanic Six Homecoming, we get Jack's mom, the Pakes, the Reyeses, and finally Nadia. And we also get Michelle Forbes from, you know, Star Trek and True Blood as Karen Decker. Um, just a few more observations before I go, I swear. I know Oceanic gave them a lot in the settlements, but Sun got enough money to get controlling interest of Pake Industries. I guess it wasn't as big as we thought it was. Uh, the looks on Sun and Jin's faces when they see Michael, that was priceless. Uh, Jack finally finds out that Claire is his sister. And um, the first reporter at the press conference is a total dick. I mean, could he be a plant for Widmore or maybe even for Ben? The very first question, he comes out with a really snotty attitude. And I mean, these are people that just were rescued from a desert island, you know, <laughs> or not a desert island, but a jungle island. And then he just gets worse and worse, you know, until finally, you know, Michelle Forbes cuts him down and says, you know, that line of questions off the table. Um, that's all I got. So I'm going to let you guys go. Bye. Uh, thanks, Des. Yeah, uh, for your NPR report on this episode of <laughs> of Lost. Um, that reporter really was a dick, especially no, the way he are. just brought it up. Most of them were. Well, like even the one reporter that was like, you know, like you all look surprisingly healthy, and Hurley being jumping right to the, the, the jumping right to his own defense of like, uh, are you talking about me? Yeah, I, you know, look, I I wouldn't have put them in front of a, a microphone. I just wouldn't have done it. Well, the, the Oceanic didn't, they left it up to them. It was Jack's decision to do it. Yeah, but I wouldn't have even put it to them. They probably should have had just one person speak on their behalf. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 a difficult situation. You know, because like Jack said, they just want to get it over with. Yep. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but thanks, Steve and Des, for your uh, for your feedback on that one. And again, we encourage everybody to leave us feedback for parts two and three of the finale, which we're going to cover next episode. Yeah, that leads us to our recommendations for the week. 
Um, I unfortunately have not yet had the chance to watch Minari, but I know you did. Um, is that your recommendation? And if it isn't, what did you think of it? Because I'm very curious. It is my recommendation, actually. Okay. Um, I thought it was really good. I don't know. Did you see Parasite? No, I haven't even seen Parasite yet. Parasite's really good. Um, I've noticed, and I've seen Parasite now, and I've seen Minari, and they're both phenomenal movies. Um, and while Parasite is a Korean-made movie and uh, Minari is an American-made movie, um, I've noticed that they both are quiet movies with a very powerful personal punch. Um, so it's very different than anything that I personally have ever seen Stephen Yun do. Um, you know, for I, I'm a, I, we all know I'm a huge walking dead fan. We are big walking dead fans. It's, it takes a minute to kind of disconnect your brain from him being Glenn, especially since he's wearing a red baseball cap most of the time <laughs> in this movie. But he's really, really, really great in this movie. And um, I, I just, I, yeah, I recommend it. I don't want to give too much away because I, I don't think that, I think that you just go in and th there are some very quiet themes in this movie that are just in, incredibly well done. So, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, I plan on watching it this week. I actually have... Um, I've actually been able to get my hands on pretty much all the Oscar nominated movies. I will uh, tell you, you have to go through the selections to find the subtitles for the movie. It took us four tries. Really? Because I, and this is something we'll talk about off, off we'll talk about more when we're done, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I added the subtitles for that one. So the subtitles that were added were were in English only, and then for the Korean, it says speaking Korean. Oh, it doesn't. Oh, geez. All right. So we had to go through and find the right one, and then uh -oh. and then convert it over. We found it eventually, but it did take a minute. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, which is going to be interesting because one of the other movies that's part of the Oscars is uh, another round, uh, mm. which is Dutch. Yeah, you should make sure that those are are. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check those. Speaking Dutch, <laughs> but there's a there's a number of Oscar nominated films. Like I I usually try and watch as many of them as I can before the Oscars happen, and the Oscars aren't until April 25th, so we have a little time. Wow. Uh, you know, but I I'm definitely interested in seeing um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Chadwick mm -hmm. Boseman, um, Judas and the Black Messiah. I want to see mm -hmm. Nari. I want to watch. Nomadland. Uh, Nomadland is another one I want to watch. Um, the Five Bloods, One Night in Miami. There's a lot of movies that are nominated for Oscars I want to see. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, for my recommendation this week, and I know you'll probably be on board with this one too, uh, we were big fans of WandaVision, and we've since gotten the premiere episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was amazing. It is. Yes. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, um, and it is the biggest debut of a show on Disney Plus so far, even beating WandaVision and The Mandalorian. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. I mean, Falcon and the Winter Soldier are two favorites of the Marvel Universe anyways. Um, I will tell you, my kids were not so into it. They said it's, it was too much adult talk, yeah, adult it's, speaking. It's a little more adult than WandaVision 
was um, they didn't care about the bank stuff. They didn't they didn't care about a, like the they didn't care about the adult stuff that was happening. They just wanted to see the Falcon fly and do his thing. And which the, the opening, opening sequence. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> that opening sequence is um, is fantastic. Like, oh, it's, worth its weight in gold. It sucks <laughs> you into that show immediately. Yeah. 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 Totally. I, like, I think that's more action we've gotten out of Sam <clears throat> as Falcon than we have gotten thus far in the MCU. Like, that was his moment to shine. Mm-hmm. And but I did. will tell you the most intriguing part of, of the whole episode was um, Bucky's story. Man, there are some gut punch moments with him in this opening episode. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking at looking forward to uh to the series. I um and if you haven't seen it, just hit plus 15 seconds until we're done. But um I I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say that the last few moments of the episode, I was like, of course, of course. I that when all I don't want to say anything too, <laughs> yeah, too right, spoilery. Right, right. Um all I will say is I, I've heard a number of people say they predicted it. I didn't. When he knocks on that old man's door and looks into the apartment, my heart sank. Oh, you didn't know that that's what was happening? I didn't. I wasn't thinking about it. I was concentrating too much on the episode itself that I wasn't trying to put pieces together. Oh, the minute, um, the minute, the minute uh, I saw him. And they started talking. I told Dave, this is, you know, I, I told Dave what the deal was. And he goes, really? And I yeah. said, yeah, because because Dave thought that it was just Bucky hanging out with like his old pals from the that's war. What I, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's honestly what I thought. And then when I when the reveal is made, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I why that's did not I not the one I was on talking about? I was talking about the other reveal on on a uh, Falcon side. The news. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Again, we don't want to be too spoiler because we spoilery because we, we want you guys to see it. Uh, so Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Soldier is my recommendation. And I got to do it again. Third week in a row. Resident Alien. Yeah. If you have not watched it, watch. It's the sh- like I said, the show is hysterical. I've been in tears every episode. And now there's only two episodes left in the season. Um. But it did get renewed for a second season. It got renewed for a second season already. Um, The story has really, like, it's season one, so it's a lot of setting up characters and exposition and stuff, and setting up part of the story for where the story's going to go. But it's more introduction of characters for, like, the first four or five episodes. We're on, like, episode eight, man, like, the story took off on a rocket for episodes nine and 10 that I'm just like, give me nine and 10 now. Like I need to know what's happening. And it's like, and it is one of those series that I will rewatch after nine and 10 happens because there's just so many comedic moments. Alan Tudyk is phenomenal in this show. He's phenomenal in everything he does. Yeah. I like him in uh, the Sandra Bullock rehab movie. Oh, 28 days. Yeah. I liked him. So, I mean, I I liked him in Patch Adams because he's one of the he's one of the guys that's in the mental institution with Robin Williams in the beginning of the movie. Um, He's uh, I I adore him in A Knight's Tale. 
that movie, I love that movie. Oh, so well, much. a knight's tale is one of the best movies ever anyways. Yeah. It's that movie is so underrated. Uh, con man, which is another thing that he did firefly. Of course, like he's just, he's the voice. He's, he does so many voice characters. Like he's, he's just, he's Weaselton. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Weselton. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's just uh, Alan Tudyk is phenomenal. This is uh, like a good opportunity for him to spotlight as the leading man. And he's just he, he knocks it out of the park. He's he's yeah. fantastic. So if you haven't watched Resident Alien yet, watch it. It's so good. Uh, any final notes? Before no, we, uh... that's that's it. We've talked. We've talked to death. Well, I, I will say next week, since we're talking parts two and three next episode, uh, be prepared for that episode to probably be a little extended because there's going to be a lot to talk about. A very special episode if we have to go back. <laughs> it's not like that. Jack has a drug <laughs> problem, which he does. <laughs> which actually. he does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I think that <laughs> we see more of that next week. So that kind of worked out. Uh, yeah. Be prepared for next week's episode to be a little longer because we're, we're going to have two episodes to talk about and they are season finale. So again, leave us feedback if you have the time. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to listen to it or read it and play it on the episode. But that being said, uh, we're getting close to the end of season four. One more episode to talk. Well, two more episodes to talk about. Uh, until that time, though, we'll see you guys further on down the road and down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye-bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!